He's risen. He is risen. Good morning, family. My name is David. I'm the site pastor here at Grace Covenant in Sterling. And I am so happy to have you with us to celebrate on this Resurrection Sunday. Uh, I especially, I want to welcome our Chantilly family. It's good to have Chantilly in the house. We are a multi-site church and we are... Uh, we are a satellite of a, the campus in Chantilly with Pastor Brett Fuller and uh, everything going on there. And uh, for, for those of you that don't know, they chose to drive here instead of walking in from Canada, which is what they would have had to do if they had uh, parked in Chantilly. So actually, you parked probably as far away as the people that parked there. You could have just walked in. But I'm especially glad to have you with us if this is your first time visiting any site or any uh, campus of Grace Covenant Church. Thank you for being with us this morning. I know it's hard to come to a new church. You don't know what it's going to be like. On Easter Sunday, there are crowds, there are people, and where am I going to sit? And I'm going to sit in somebody's seat. And somebody came in today, and they're like, they're sitting in my seat. And I hope they were kind to you because we don't actually have seats. So, um, so anyway... We're glad you're here. Thank you for being with us. We're going to get into the word now. We're going to be looking at John chapter 20, and we're going to read quite a few verses. We're looking at verses 1 through 18. So if you could stand with me for the reading of scripture, I'd like to have a stand so that we remember that it's unlike anything else that exists on the face of the planet. This is God's word to us and for us. It is powerful to divide between flesh and spirit. And we're going to read this and I'll read it and you can read along because it's quite a bit of passage. Uh, but we, we're going to open up our hearts and open up our eyes and ears to hear, see and understand what it is that God's speaking to us today. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran to Simon, Peter, and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've laid him. So Peter went with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and he went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, please tell me where you've laid him, and I'll take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. 
Jesus said to her, don't cling to me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father and to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. This is God's word to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would come in power today. Everything that we do is in vain without your Holy Spirit moving in power on our hearts, moving on our spirit, moving on our mind. So we ask you to come and speak to us. Come and transform our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. So just a few short days before, Mary and all the disciples saw their hero, they saw their leader, they saw their Lord brutally murdered in front of them and buried in a grave. Now, this was the leader who was going to overthrow the Roman government in their mind, and he was going to establish this kingdom of love and peace and power and, and graciousness. And, and, and he gets murdered, and it's exactly what they didn't expect, but God was up to something that they didn't understand yet. So Jesus gets buried, and they're devastated. They're absolutely crushed. The one who they put all their hope in. They had left, they had left their belongings to follow him. They had left their families, some to follow him. And they're absolutely devastated. Walking around, everything's happening in slow motion. You know, they're singing Wiz Khalifa's song, you know, from the, the, the Fast and the Fear. It's been a long day without you, my friend, right? And, and they're singing in slow motion. And they're living in slow motion. And they're crying in slow motion. And they're hugging in slow motion. They're hiding in slow motion. I don't sing like Pastor Brett if you're from Chantilly. I, that, was a, that was a Simon Peter imitation. I sing better than that. Simon Peter sings like that. But they're living in slow motion and they're devastated and they don't know what to do. They're hiding for fear of getting destroyed because they've identified so strongly with this man who died a murderer's death. And they're afraid that they're going to share the same fate unless they hide. Everything that they were counting on. You know, you, when you talk real big, when you're, when you're, when, you, when somebody's with you and they're bigger and stronger, you're like, yeah, that's right. And then you realize the person's not with you anymore and you're like, so, hey, about that, right? And so they're used to having Jesus with them and Jesus makes them strong. And now Jesus isn't with them and now they're terrified. They're in trouble and they know it. And so in response to this crushing that happens, you see what's inside the man. You see what's inside the woman when you get crushed. And it produces, it reveals what's inside of you, devotion and love and affirmation and inspiration. Or does it expose something else? Fear and insecurity and doubt. Or is it a funny combination of all those things? That they had faith and doubt at the same time. And it was this weird mix. And he said he was going to rise from the dead. But he's, he, I didn't think he was really going to die. I thought it was a metaphor. Like a lot of those, other metaphors that he had spoken. I didn't realize he was going to die. Can he really rise from the dead? And so they go to the tomb. The women go to the tomb. And they, they go to anoint his body with oils. Because they expected him to be dead. And they show up. And the tomb is empty. And that's perplexing. And Mary, Mary's thinking, and she's like, she's like, how could this be? And there's, there's some evidence in there about what happened, but she doesn't understand it because she's blinded by her pain. Have you ever been blinded to the actual evidence or blinded to reality because of the pain that you're experiencing in your heart? 
There are people all around you that love you, but because of the depression, because of the fog of hurt, the pain of disappointment or past hurts is so great that you can't even see the people who love you right in front of your eyes. She didn't see the linen cloths that the other disciples would come and see later. She didn't see that that it had fallen exactly where Jesus was and the other one was folded up. That's not the sign of a grave robbery. Some really tidy robbers. Let's just clean up the place on our way out. That's not how you rob a grave. I'm not experienced in it myself, but I would assume that it's a hasty endeavor. Especially when it's being armed, uh, guarded by armed guards. And, and you've got Roman centurions who are going to lose their life if they lose this dead body. I'm sure they're sitting here and they're like, hey, how hard could this be? It's a dead body and his disciples are scared out of their minds. We got this one made. They didn't plan on the breakout happening from the inside. And so she doesn't see the evidence. She doesn't realize what's happening because she's blinded by her pain. You ever stub your toe? You ever have a clear thought when you stub your toe? Absolutely not. I'm going to burn this place down. Somebody's going to die today. My toe. (laughs) You're not thinking straight. You can't think clearly. And she couldn't think clearly. The pain was too great. And she couldn't understand what was in front of her. So she goes and she's like, they took their body. He took the body. So she runs to the other disciples and she's like, she's like, I don't even know what to do, but to tell you, they took his body. Somebody stole his body. We went to anoint him. Come on, come look. And then we enter into this funny race between John and Simon Peter. We think it's John. It's the disciple that Jesus loved. And Simon Peter, that, that, that other disciple. Any other disciples in the room this morning? You know, it could have been John. We think it's John because of the time he spent with Jesus, laying his head on Jesus' chest, listening to his heartbeat, listening to his breath, following him everywhere, following. And then you see how this is written. And it's about the love of God, this whole letter from John. And you you see this and, and you're like, man, this is a guy who loves God and he feels loved by God. But let me tell you, that's how we should all feel when we're in the presence of our Savior is loved by God. And every single one of us should have that testimony about ourselves that I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. And it's not to your exclusion, JC, but Jesus loves me. And JC could say to me, it's not to your exclusion, David, Jesus loves me. I don't care if you've, if you've been following Jesus for a day, a week, a month, a year, 15 years. If you're a disciple of Jesus, if you're following, he loves you and you are the disciple that Jesus loves. Because while we were sinners, he loved us by giving his life for us. Are you following me? I thought Chantilly would be a little louder this morning. Y'all got to sleep in. Y'all got to park. You didn't have to waste your energy walking in. So they race. They race and they're getting there. Now, it could have been Lazarus. Now, not Lazarus. I think it would be really cool if it was Lazarus because he knows a little something about tombs. He would have had it all figured out. Actually, no, that's why it can't be Lazarus. Let me edit that. It can't be him. He's like, uh-uh. Nope, empty tomb. Been there, done that. He's, he's out walking around somewhere. We're looking in the wrong place. If you don't know, Jesus, Lazarus is, is a disciple of Jesus who had died and he had been dead for a few days and he started to stink. And Jesus went up to the tomb and he's like, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came to life. And he kind of, he didn't disappear out of his robes or out of his uh, cloths. He walked, he kind of hopped out. And Jesus is like, untie that dude. And so they untied him. But Lazarus knows a little something about coming out of a grave, about being dead and coming to life. So it was probably John. We'll get that right for the second service. But they get there, they get there, and, and you see this account, and you see him racing. You know, you're like, what is this, John? Like, okay, big deal, you beat him. 
because you're faster, you're younger, you're smarter. And then Peter, like maybe he was just reverent for the, for the tomb, right? Like you're not supposed to be around dead bodies as, as a good Jew of the time. And so he's like, no, nah, I'm going to stay out here. And Peter's like, I don't care. And he gets in there and he's the one who sees the cloths and he says, he sees the head cloth and he's like, Some, they're like, something's going on. And then John looks in and then it says that John believed. I'm not sure what he believed. Some people believe that at that moment he understood that Jesus is resurrected from the dead. But I don't think so because their response was to go away to their homes. If Jesus, if they knew that Jesus had resurrected from the dead, if they had, un, if they had put all the pieces together, it would have been a whole other kind of celebration. It, here you go. It would have been like the thread, <laughs> right? <laughs> situation. John would have lost his mind. The disciple that Jesus loved, he would have had a party. They would have had church, but the first Easter was so confusing. The disciples running all over the place, getting there at different times, running back and forth, sharing these. He's gone. Somebody stole his body. They took him. I don't even know. Mary said they took his body twice. We'll get to that one in just a second, but they're so confused. They don't know which way to go and they don't know how it works. And and, and so they're lost. Have you ever expected to see Jesus somewhere? Not seen him there and just walked away brokenhearted instead of continuing to look for him? I went to church once and maybe, maybe you've been to church and maybe Easter Sunday, maybe Christmas is the only day you can muster up enough strength to show up at church because of past pain or past disappointment. But you're not willing to give up completely. So you come and you stick your foot in the water and you test it out. And you're like, maybe. Don't give up just because he wasn't where you thought he'd be when you looked for him the first time. Some of us. Some of us have to look again. Mary comes back. She probably way behind the other disciples. They're gone. They gave up and she's there. Now it's just her, a gardener in the garden. She's like, you know what? I need to look again. She stoops in and she peers in. And she weeps. Devastated, broken. She stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look in. And this time she sees two angels sitting there. This is a crime scene. And there are these two men there. People have been coming and going. And now there are these two men there, these two angels. And they're like, what's up, Mary? And she's like, have you seen him? What's going on? They're like, why are you crying? We, he's risen. He did exactly what he said he would do. They're, they're not going to finish the conversation. They're just like, what's up? They're like sitting to show the gap. You know, like when you hint to someone as strongly as you possibly can. You know, it's like, hey, look, there's some evidence right here. <laughs> They're sitting the, like the length of his body. It's like there was something here that's not here anymore. Why are you weeping? Clearly, they know there was a dead man in there. It's a tomb. And it would have been kind of a big deal if the big stone rolled out of the way. It was a big deal. And so they're like, maybe, I don't know, Mary. Why could you be weeping? And she continues to cry out. She's just like so blinded by the pain, so confused by the situation and the circumstances. And she turns around and she sees the gardener. And she's like, if you took him, I feel like that was more threatening now. She's going through the grief cycle. She's on that anger stage now. 
She's out of denial. She's like, somebody's going to die today. So she stoops there and she, she turns around and the gardener sees her and talks to her and they have this conversation. And, and, and then they go back and forth and he says, Mary. The same voice that created the heavens and the earth. The same voice that spoke everything into existence. That shattered the darkness by saying, let there be light. Called her name and light came to her heart. He called her name and said, Mary. And she flashed through all the times. Oh, I got ahead on the slide. She called all the, she, all the times he had heard her name. She had heard her name called by him. He, she hears it and she goes, this is my teacher. And she goes, she turns and she knows it's him and she knows he's resurrected from the dead. But did she have any faith in that moment? Was she crying out to God? God, I know you rose from the dead for me. No, all she had was tears of pain, tears of sorrow, tears of loss, tears of hurt. And God responds to our faith, but he also cries. He also responds to our cries, family. So if you don't have enough faith to cry out to God today, at least direct your cry toward him. It hurts. It's too much for me to bear. I can't stand the loss. I can't stand the pain. God responds not only to our faith, but also to our cries. Says Mary. Isaiah promises this. Now this is what the Lord says. The one who created you, Jacob, and the one who formed you, Israel. Do not fear if I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When he called her name, it was with the authority that I talked about that created heaven and earth with that power. But there was a power to save that reached into her brokenness and pulled her into fresh and new relationship. And she was going to know him like she had never known him ever before. This Jesus who they had grown somewhat familiar with, this Jesus who they'd put a lot of hopes on, this Jesus who they put a lot of desire into was now going to be a completely different minister. To them, He was going to be a whole nother level of master and teacher and Lord for them. And they would learn this in the coming days. And she responds to him. She says, Rabbi. In John 6 verses, uh, in John 6, 68. There's this encounter where this, everybody's following Jesus. The crowd hears Jesus say something crazy and they all leave. And Jesus is like, do you want to leave too? to his disciples. And Jesus looks at them and they say, where else would we go? You have the words of life. Not only did Jesus have the words of life, but he had the ability and the influence and the heart and the love for them to teach them the way of life. So when she turns to him and says, teacher, she's like, you're the one who taught me the way of life. You're the one who taught me the way of love. You're the one who told me about the coming kingdom and how things would be different than they have ever been before. You're going to establish this kingdom on earth where peace would reign and joy would be the order of the day. Rabbi, teacher, it's you. 
You've resurrected. And I imagine her falling to the ground as she probably had before and just wanting to grab onto him and hold on to him and never let go. She's like, I let you go once. This ain't happening again. But he's the teacher. There is a temptation, I'll admit, that sometimes when we enter a relationship with Jesus, when Jesus captures our heart, there's a temptation to stay and to cleave and to hold on to him for dear life and just let everything else fade away. Jesus is like, hey, Mary, I need you not just to cleave to me, not just to hold tight to me. He's like, but I need you to go and tell other people what you know. I'm bringing you in on this. You're going to partner with me in this. And Jesus makes this radical move to make a woman the first person who is going to proclaim the resurrection. He makes this radical move. You know, like, like just setting things up so that it could be torn down by the Roman. Everybody could be like, oh, no, no, no. Women don't have any standing. And Jesus is like, no, they got a high standing. Like, if you want to disqualify a false religion, start it with somebody who, who's not qualified to speak to the culture. And that's what Jesus went to. He's like, okay, I've got them and I got a bunch of fishermen. <laughs> How about them apples? He commissions her to the service. She doesn't, she, she, I guess she might've known Greek. She knows, she knows Aramaic, but she didn't have the study of a priest. She wasn't somebody who had studied all the sources. She hadn't been to Bible college. She didn't have the elders lay hands on her and train her for three years and then test her out with announcements and offering messages. Give them the prayer meeting that nobody's coming to. Go ahead and lead that prayer meeting, champion. (laughs) Nobody's there. Just lead yourself in prayer. None of that. He's like, take what you know and go tell someone. She doesn't even fully understand yet. I wanted one of my points to be comprehend, but I'm not sure how much she understood yet. All she really understood, all she comprehended is that he's alive. And so she went and she shouted at every place she could because that's all she knew. Y'all don't feel disqualified because you can't break something down on the Greek or the Hebrew. Don't feel disqualified because you stumble a little bit because you had a tough week last week because you've had moments of failure. That doesn't disqualify you to the world we're reaching. That qualifies you to the world we're speaking to. If Jesus has ever shown up for you in any kind of way, in any kind of circumstance, that's all you got to know is that Jesus showed up. And be able to go and tell somebody, hey, Jesus showed up for me. It's going to sound crazy. You remember that weird thing I went through? All I can tell you is Jesus showed up. Now, don't miss Jesus because he might look like a gardener. The supernatural move of God sometimes looks so natural, you're going to miss it. Somebody prayed for your back to get healed because it was spasmy. It was hurting real bad. And the next day you're walking around. You're like, oh, look at that. Time healed it. Or maybe something else is going on. Maybe there's a God that hears your prayer. Maybe there's a God who can speak to sickness and disease. Maybe there's a God that speaks to sin and death. Maybe there's a God who can heal the sick. Maybe there's a God who can heal cancers. Maybe there's a God who can heal your back. 
I'm just saying, y'all, we already bought into a resurrected Jesus. Why not a miracle? Yo, we're like, I draw the line of miracles today. Because science. Look, science and faith aren't at odds with you. If I had more time, we'd have some real fun right now. But I know you guys are conditioned Chantilly to a one-hour service, so we're stretching you today. Y'all are already like, oh, the light's going to be long. Y'all like, it's going to be tough to get out of here. We got snacks in the hallway. Hang out for a minute. We got over an hour before the next service starts from right now. Relax. I got you. She runs back. She says, I've seen the Lord. Oh, I've seen the Kurion, y'all. I saw the one who has the, the power to speak things into existence. I saw the one who is our master, who is our king, who is our Lord. And you know what he did? He beat death just last night. So she goes with that kind of story. Oh, I saw the Lord. Have you ever seen the Lord show up in your circumstance? And if you have, you better start talking about it. If you've ever had God show up, you don't need fancy language. You don't need fancy prayers. You don't need long words. Keep it simple. And tell somebody the truth that you know because of Jesus Christ. So what do we learn? We've got, they were crushed. They were confused. They were something else. And then they were commissioned. Called. And then they were commissioned. But what do you learn? I mean, there's so much going on. The empty tomb, she's running all over the place. There are other women disciples running all over the place. The other disciples are running and hiding. And some are just walking away. They're going to another town. And, you know, so you're like, what is, what is going on with y'all? And then, and then you've got the, the gardeners and the angels and the folded cloths. And you've, got, and you've got all these things moving. What is it that we're supposed to learn? What is the point of these 18 verses? He is risen. Oh yeah, hold on, hold on, this gets really exciting. Are you ready? Hold up, hold on, hold on, wait! Hey Reggie, is Reggie, come on Reggie, come on, let's have some fun. He plays the keys, that's who that is. <laughs> Something strong. Not like communion strong, like soft, like, like strong. Oh, you can't even hear it? I'll sing what you're playing. No, just kidding. That's not true. All right, you ready? This is actually just to help me end on time. He is risen. I don't know if you caught this, y'all. You might have you missed it. The pronouncement that was made that day is he is risen. It's not he has risen in the past and he's going to die again. It's not he's risen in the past and then he already died. It's he's risen. He is risen and he's not going to die in the future. It's he is risen. He is risen and he is risen always and forever. That will stay in the present tense that our Lord and King, our Jesus, our Savior is risen from the dead right now. And he has the power to heal. He has the power to save. Say it. 
Say he is risen. He is risen. He is risen. All right, come on. He has the power over sin and death. He has power over sickness and disease. He has power over the grave. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek them. Seek him. He will reward you if you seek him. If you found the tomb empty, go back and look again. The gardener is the one you were looking for. He was standing right there. You can find him right here in this thing that you thought was just a book. You can find him right here in these people that you thought was just a church. This is where Christ dwells for us. And every single person who calls on the name of the Lord, He's living inside of you to share with someone else. You are commissioned. In Jesus' name. Go ahead and get seated. We're gonna we're gonna land this in just a second. That peaked higher than I expected. That was you, Reggie. Just kidding. Your name here. Jesus calling your name. Now, if you've been walking with Jesus or you've been in church for a long time, don't shut off. This isn't for the other person. This is for you. Because he doesn't stop calling your name after you're surrendered. I hear the name of Jesus calling me. I hear the voice of Jesus calling me. Drawing me in the morning saying, David, come spend time with me. David, stay away from that. There's no life for you there. David, turn this way. Hey, David, spend some time with me. David, spend some time with your family. I hear the name of the Lord calling me by name. And this morning, he's calling you by name. And I think some of us today need some heart surgery. There are some of us who we responded to the call of our name a long time ago, but we walked away, we went home because we didn't see him the way we thought we were going to see him. <clears throat> we didn't get what we expected to get from Jesus, and so we walked away. It's time to respond afresh today. Some of us have experienced so much pain or hurt. It's your turn to respond today too. The reason it's not a story about Mary and the other disciples is because whether or not they responded appropriately or even wrote it down, he is still risen. And that's how we know it's about him. Not to minimize the pain or hurt you've experienced at the hands of people who held the name of a believer. Not to minimize any bit of that. But I need to say that we need to understand that the name of Jesus is calling you today by name to respond. If there's anybody in here and you need to return to Jesus. Look, this is not extra credit. Nobody's going to shame you. But if you need to return to Jesus or you want to come to Jesus and make him your Lord for the first time, can you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. There's going to be another opportunity. I see that hand. That's fantastic. Thank you for your courage. See, I didn't tell people to put their hand down. Great. That's great. Go ahead and put your hands up. This is great news. Can you clap? This is great news. See, now you can put your hand up and nobody will know. So just go ahead and put your hand up. Everybody's going to know anyway because your life's going to change. You say, you can kind of hide your, raise your hand in private, but they're going to see the change. 
If you raised your hand, but you didn't, and you wanted to pray with me, Father, in the name of Jesus, I hear you calling my name. And today I respond. I don't, I don't know what you're going to expect of me. I don't know what it looks like to follow you. But I'm ready to follow, not understanding everything, just understanding that you rose from the dead and you're calling my name today. I surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen.